at one point in your life, you should definitely like change absolutely everything about you and see what it's like, see how it goes. Welcome to The One You Feed. Throughout time, great thinkers have recognized the importance of the thoughts we have. Quotes like, garbage in, garbage out, or you are what you think, ring true. And yet, for many of us, our thoughts don't strengthen or empower us. We tend toward negativity, self-pity, jealousy, or fear. We see what we don't have instead of what we do. We think things that hold us back and dampen our spirit. But it's not just about thinking. Our actions matter. It takes conscious, consistent, and creative effort to make a life worth living. This podcast is about how other people keep themselves moving in the right direction, how they feed their good wolf. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond, but at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong. Radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is Julian Smith, CEO of Breather, an on-demand relaxation company that helps you find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Julian is also a New York Times bestselling author of three books. Two of these, Trust Agents and The Impact Equation, were written with one of our other fantastic guests, Chris Brogan. The third book, called The Flinch, has consistently remained one of the top-read Kindle books since it was published in 2011. Julian's online work has been read by millions. Here's the interview. Hi, Julian. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you. I'm a big fan of your book, The Flinch, and uh, I've, I've read it several times. It's, it's, it's really wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, put, I put enough work into it. I, I hope that it was good at the end. I'm happy you liked it. Yes. So our podcast is uh, based on the parable of, of two wolves where there's a grandfather who's talking with his grandson, and he says... In life, there are two wolves inside of us that are always at battle. One is a good wolf, which represents things like kindness and bravery and love. And the other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed and hatred and fear. And the grandson stops and he thinks and he says, well, grandfather, which one wins? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. Mm. So I'd like to start off by asking you what that parable means to you in your life and in the work and writing that you do. Yeah. So, um... I'm, I'm familiar with the parable and I don't know, uh, what does it mean to me? I, I think it, I think it's just more about reinforcing habits at, at its core. Like try, I'm, I'm really, uh, it's very easy to sort of fall into that kind of magical thinking or whatever, but to sort of bring it down to its core message, which is really about like, like build the habits that you, even if you're not that person, build the habits so that you can become that person that you want to be. Right. And, uh, and that's a sort of, that's a, a quest that can last a lifetime and maybe even should, uh, which is why I think that story is very insightful and true and can be told probably over, you know, 
we'll still tell that story to our kids and they'll tell it to their kids, maybe. Exactly. And so what are some of those habits you think that, that are, are important for you that you work to build to, to help you be the person you want to be? It's funny because you're asking me so directly and I'm so not used to being asked directly. So, <laughs> so the, the answer is, uh, what am I constantly working towards? I have a million different habits that I'm trying to build at any given time. And I, you know, if you, so when I wrote that book, The Flinch, it was published in 2011. It's a totally different place than where I am now. So I'll try to explain that difference so that uh, you, the, the listener, can appreciate uh, exactly what it is that is different and how that sort of impacts your life. So um, in 2011, I was, uh, I was I was starting like weightlifting, parkour, and a bunch of really physical activities. And basically, the the book goes into this in this detail about uh, how f- the physical action of flinching is akin to the psychological behavior that we've developed to shy away from challenge, uh, and we do that over a period of a whole lifetime. So. That's what I did then is I wrote books for a living. I, I, I got advances from publishing companies and I would just write about ideas that I thought were really interesting. And, and my life was, it did not, uh, it only had the challenge that I decided to put into it. And so that would mean things like, oh, uh, you know, I was very heavily into like physical uh, exercise and training and all these things. Also, I was right, challenging myself to write a book that was incredibly difficult and and, and hard to, to become, to make it as pure as I could. And I, I hope I've succeeded at that. To, to contrast that to what I do now, I run a startup with several million dollars in funding that I started that was a crazy idea that no one believed in. And now that's, that has a, a great deal of its own momentum in the public eye. And, uh, and I have 10 employees and I'm going to 30 employees. And so I have a totally different life than I had three years ago. And I can just see all of my habits breaking down. So I was so good at like, I was so good at taking care of myself at eating properly at all these like positivity things. Like I was very much in that whole self-help kind of mindset, but trying to remove any magical thinking out of it. And uh, now I still am that person who cares about those things, but I, I understand when people are like, I just don't have the time and all those things. So I'm, I'm in this, to, to combat those things, I've developed a series of really strong habits, which was like certain, you know, time, very rigorous, like time to wake up, check emails, certain time, inbox zero every day. Uh, you know, I have a gratitude diary, like all these that are almost like religious rituals to keep me sane. And I mean, I don't know if I have a, a bunch of them, but uh, uh, it just speaks to how under stress you can become a totally different person which is not at all the person that you want to be if you're not careful. Oh, I, I agree. There's nothing like a startup to, uh, to sink all your, your normal, normal good habits. And there is a real, I think everybody that's, and not, not just startups or entrepreneurs, but anybody who is working really hard on something, re- being able to do those other things that are, for lack of a better word, more nourishing to our, to our spirit or to our, to our, uh, you know, mental and emotional health and our, and our body, those things fall away pretty quickly. And, and I agree, it is a, there's a lot of discipline involved in, in trying to stay on top of those things. It's a, it's a constant challenge. Yeah, it, it totally is. And, and uh, it, it really, the, the great irony of that whole thing, actually, is that uh, the book 
that you were talking about at the beginning of this program is a book where you're trying to develop the habit of challenging yourself. And of course, I had written this book, right? And and so when I had this idea for this company that I was working on, it's like become a huge part of my life now. Uh, I was like, my God, this is the hardest thing that I could possibly ever think of of doing. It it, it looks like it's doable, but it's incredibly difficult and incredibly arduous, and it's going to take five years or something like that, for sure, at least, right? So, uh, but I had written the book, and the book said, do the hardest thing that you could possibly imagine doing, and uh, otherwise, what kind of, like, what kind of person are you really, Right. you know? And, and so I had no choice but to, but to become that person, even though I wasn't that person, you know, turning myself into a CEO and turning myself into, you know, like a, like almost like a therapist talking to people that I work with and, you know, like, and while maintaining my relationship and all these things. So uh, I was very much like, a, I, I like to think that I had some authenticity in, in being a talker then, but I was really a talker. Now I'm, now I've become a doer and, uh, and the, and the ability to go and just like, that's going to be incredibly hard and it's going to be a challenge. Let's go. has really become a way of life for me. Well, it's, it certainly serves you well in, in, starting a business or being a CEO. Do you want to tell us briefly about what your new business is? I mean, you know, I worked on it for a year and a half. So, I mean, you can look it up if you want. It's called Breather, like take a breather. And we provide like a sort of a network of rooms you can unlock with your phone at any time. I don't want to pitch it, but like you can look it up. It's at breather.com. Uh, it's doing super well. It's growing really fast. And uh, and it was it's, it's definitely one of those things where maybe it speaks to sort of the, the message of this of this show, which is like like maybe listening to yourself and all these things is really one of those things where you're starting something and everyone was like, that is totally stupid and you should not do that. Uh, and really led me from what I had a which was like a super cushy life, probably, which like in which I only did things that I want to do versus now where it's like my life is like a military exercise and precision as much as possible. And uh, yeah, you just like you should have at least one at one point in your life. You should definitely like change absolutely everything about you and see what it's like. See how it goes. Yep, yep, I agree. So <laughs> let's let's spend a little time and 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 talk more about the book, the flinch, and dig into some of those concepts because I think they're really in line with a lot of what we talk about on the show and a lot of the things that themes that that come up over and over again. So could you tell us? Again, you, you alluded to it briefly, but what the concept behind the flinch is? Okay, so here is the, uh, the quick and easy version of that. Uh, we have, it's a really short book, and it's actually one of the only free, permanently free downloads that you can get from Amazon. Uh, it's not possible. You, no, no person can put a book on, on Amazon perpetually for free, but somehow... That uh, when we were, when we published this, we figured that out. So you can get it for free even now, even though it's been it was published three years ago. So go ahead and get that book, and it's super short. And basically, People what it's about it. it's I, re- yeah. I highly recommend it. Thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, the book essentially says, "Here's a bunch of stuff that we claim we want to do. It doesn't matter what it is. It's not what the point is. Like everyone has their own personal, really important list of things." Uh, they could be totally trivial. I want to get married and have children. That's not trivial, but they could be commonplace. Uh, I could wait, I want to get married and have children and then, uh, or I want to travel to get to Paris one time, or, you know, it could be anything from that to, uh, totally otherworldly foreign things that no one thinks are insane or sane at all. doesn't matter. We're always talking about these things and we're always thinking about them, 
and we do not do them. So it is, it is a, and yet we have all the information available to us. And this is really like we're in the information age. And in this age, you can look up anything. Here's how to ride a bike. You can go to wikihow.com or whatever the hell website, Google. It will tell you everything you need to know. Every single piece of information is there. And yet, truly, if the information were accurate, you would have learned to do it by now. Like, if the information was enough, I would speak Spanish properly. But I don't. Why? And so, it, essentially, the book is about this, this thing, I guess, which we call the flinch in the book. And it is like, the, it's that X, which is like that, that unknown thing which prevents us from doing the things that we want to do. And it's, it's, a, it's the, the secret hidden thing in every action we take or don't take. And that flinch is, it's a fear response, right? It's, you're describing that we mm-hmm. have this response, like if I were to slap my co-host like I just did there, he flinches. <laughs> right, and he doesn't have a choice. He right? doesn't like, have a choice, right? It's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's not really about him. So, so, and, uh, and you've got these guys, right, uh, that train in this thing called the SPEAR program. S-P-E-A-R, you can look it up online, but it's like essentially like flinch retraining. It, it just really exists, and it's, it's studied by police and the military and all these other people. And essentially what this response is, is like you can never get rid of the flinch, this thing you were born with, that when you fall, that you're going to close your eyes and protect your head. But you can retrain that thing. Physically, it is possible to retrain it. And so here's a, here's a kind of mental retraining that you were, you're going to go through. And uh, in parts of the book, you know, I, I make people go through very simple exercises that anyone can do in their own house, by and large, but that are very difficult to do for psychological reasons, a number of different psychological reasons. So essentially, uh, I was, I'm pointing out almost, uh, and, and the reason that I think it, this book works, and it's, it's been read by like a million people or something now. Uh, the reason this book works is because it's speaking to you in your own voice that you have in your head. If I was out there going, hey, guys, you know, yeah, you, the hosts of this show, like you're assholes and, and, and you're cowards or something, I, I would be, I'd just, it'd be a horrible way to talk to some other person. But I wrote that book, and because you're reading it to yourself, it comes off as being you talking to yourself. And so it makes it okay, I right. think, to say those things. School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And the the idea is to learn to lean into that fear. Is that is that the heart of it, that if we learn to lean into fear then that gets us over doing these things that we're, we're not doing in life? Uh, you could say that. I think that it's very easy. You got to, you be careful about cliches, right? Yep. If cliches are uh, cliches, you, you naturally hear them. And when you hear them, you go, Oh, I've heard that before. And as soon as you think, Oh, I've heard that before you instantly, you by and large, you're going to discount it. So you have to be very careful in the way that you talk about an idea. Like, and that's why we talk about, that's why in that book that we talked about it that way, because uh, we, we want it to be a new way that you heard it. In reality, you know, everyone has written every book ever. I know this. I've written several of them by this point. I've written a thousand blog posts. Every single thing has been said before, but for some reason, one particular message, it, it, it hits you in the right way. And other versions of that message do not hit you in the right way. So when I wrote, write the book, it's like, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like being in a sweat lodge or whatever. And you're like, you gotta, you have to actually go there and be there in that book to feel it. Cause if I were to explain to you what that book is, like we're talking about it now, it's so trivial that you're like, yeah, yeah, I know that I don't need to read that thing. But I actually, in actuality, you probably haven't solved the problem. So you should probably read the book. Even me, I don't know that I can properly explain it. And that's kind of the magic of that thing. Uh, and it's why it was so hard to write that it requires the experience you having, having to go through it. So you can feel the same way I felt when I wrote it and the same way you felt when you read it that the several times that you've read it. Right. Yep. Yep. And I think, but I think there are some, maybe some, some things you say in there that I'll, I'll point to specifically that maybe give some of the flavor and point out some of the things that I thought were, were particularly, um, uh, interesting in the book. One of them that you, you talk about is that you say the lessons you learn best by are those you get burned by. Without the scar, there's no evidence or strong memory. Right. Adults know what's safe, so we we tend to listen to what's to advice, but it's we don't learn lessons that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't uh, uh, exactly, which is actually exactly what I just said. It's like, I can tell you something a hundred times but unless you feel it, it will have no profound effect, right? Like, and you, you don't need, and the, I think the exact thing that I say in there is like, you don't need to throw yourself into a fire to figure out that it's bad. But with that in mind, a lot of things do need to be felt in order to be, uh, in order uh, for the change to really occur. There's another thing that you talk about in the book that I really love. And you say, whatever decision you make reinforces what you do next time. And I think that is such a critical life lesson that that's the way I think of the, the term karma, right? Is that it's like wearing grooves into a record. Is it just every time I give in to that bad habit, I make it easier to do next time. I set that thing in motion. And I think that's what you're, what you're getting at there, which is a really profound idea, 
which is that every every moment matters, not just what the impact of, say, you know, let's just use, I'm not going to eat ice cream. Eating ice cream is not just the fact that I ate 500 calories. It's the fact that I've made it easier yeah. to do it next time and next time and next time. Yeah, I, I built a habit. And, you know, you know, I don't know, they say, like, the gray matter in your brain is actually affected by by the decisions that you make. And the reason creativity is so hard is because uh, the the decision process and the way that you think about an idea um, becomes reinforced over time, you know? And the way that people have new ideas is lar- by and large by looking at something that they have never done before and looking at it in a new way and not knowing whether something is possible just because they have no experience versus people who have the experience and who are like, no, 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 it cannot be done. So, so with that, and the, the natural conclusion of that idea is everything you're doing right now is going to make you into, this is who you are. You are the person as you act, right? Uh, the way that, uh, I don't know if I wrote that in there, but it's like this, this whole idea, Krishnamurti is like a well-known Indian sage, and he has this whole thing where he's like, you could, you could take a rock from the garden and, and you just put it on your mantelpiece, and it's just a regular rock, right? But then, over over a period of days, if you just practice for thirty days, you're just gonna you're gonna like kneel and pray in front of the rock. At the end of that thirty days, that rock will be like a fucking religion to you, and 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 you'll just be like, I love this rock. I I cannot think of getting rid of it. It means so much to me because you're behaving in that way, and it would be a sin not to walk by the rock. And and to and to you know to to bow down to it be, just because you've done it and you've been doing it your entire life. So uh, so with that in, in mind, and it, it can put this incredible weight to, to think about this to think it's in this way can put this incredible weight on your shoulders where you're like every thing that I do wrong is fucking my life. Yeah, I mean <laughs> in a way like it kind of is, and 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 actually one of my my. Faults is that I put a, a great deal of gravitas into everything that I say and think, and it's probably not always a good thing. But uh, but I but I really think that that person that you are uh, is is being reinforced or being destroyed by every action that you take. The same reason you could probably you know you probably always uh, start going up steps with the same foot every single time, and it's uncomfortable to do it with the other foot. Simple things like that all the way down to why I have arguments with my wife and I have the same argument every time. Yep. Oh, I I agree. And I think it is easy to, to, to be too heavy handed about that, to be constantly every moment freaking out because I just did something I didn't want to do. Um, there's a, there's a middle ground to all of that, but it is a pretty fundamental truth that, that what we are doing is shaping who we, who we are and who we become. And, but the, the, the good flip side to that is I can change that at any point. Yeah, hopefully, right? Exactly. You have the ability to do it, and the earlier that you you begin reinforcing a, another thing, the easier it becomes for that thing that thing that you prefer to become a habit, and hopefully, it will.
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. You talk about, in, in dealing with fear, you say you need to start recognizing your fight or flight response. This is the real challenge, what you'll spend most of your time on because it's such a strong instinct. Every alternative you develop is highly valuable because it opens your options dramatically. Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean there? Um, I think I think it's a version of the same idea, which is uh, a simple thing that I'm trying to fix right now is that I eat out a lot. And it's funny when you take these like really deep things in this book or whatever that, that carry meaning and then you express them in relation to your regular life, right? Because then you're like, oh, this is such a boring uh, anecdote compared to the depth of this thing. But the, actually the triviality of the anecdote shows just how powerful the thing is. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep eating out for the rest of my life and I'm never going to learn to cook unless I... Every day, I was like, I'm going to pick up that knife. And I don't know if you know, like, BJ Fogg. Do you know about this thing? This uh, this just method of developing habits, which are called the tiny steps habits. And basically, it's like you get up and you have a series of habits. I, I know. I, I'll tell you what mine is right now. It's really, really uh, simple. I will wake up, and if I go to – get to my bathroom, and I weigh myself as first thing in the morning – very shortly thereafter, I'm going to floss, I'm going to brush my teeth, I'm going to take a shower. Once I take a shower, I'm going to get out, I'm going to take my vitamins. Then when I take my vitamins, I'm going to undo the, uh, I'm going to uh, clean, take the dish, clean dishwashers out of, dishes, out of the dishwasher. Then I'm going to make coffee, I'm going to bring it to my girlfriend. Like that, that is what I do. If I do not weigh myself, none of those things will happen. Like that's how, how you know, our, our machine, the machine parts of our brain work is that we're, we're literally like animals just doing the same thing over and over and over again. So building those grooves the first few times, you don't have to think about it as being like every habit. You think about it as one thing. It's like, if you say something like when I come home, I take my shoes off and then I turn left in the kitchen and I put my hand on the handle of my chef's knife. And then once you do that, you'll be like, well, I guess I have to do something with this chef's knife, right? So uh, that series, it's, it's actually not, you know, people turn, uh, they try to turn, make behavior change into this really tough thing that takes a lot of effort. Oh, my God, I got to cook this five-course meal. No, no, just put your hand on the knife. That's literally all you have to do. That's why in one of my habit things that I have on one of my apps, it says clean for two minutes. And what that really means is, is, just start cleaning because two minutes is a non-threatening number. And then once you start cleaning, it'll just happen by itself. Uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan and proponent of that, of that concept of, you know, I'm a bit, I set the timer for five minutes to get started on things I don't want to do or that I'm stuck on to just get started. And momentum is such a powerful force. If you can, if we can just get moving in the right direction, often that's, that, that's enough. And, and I agree. I think that we've, we've talked about this on this show over and over, which is doing a very little bit of something is much better than 
And doing that consistently is much better than going to the gym once every three weeks and lifting for three hours. You'd be far better off doing some small exercise for five minutes a day. That's right, because the habit is there, and you can do that seven days a week or whatever instead of once a month. And I think you get that positive reinforcement by, I said I was going to do this, I did it, I feel good about that, versus that negative reinforcement we talked about earlier, which is I said I was going to do this, I didn't do it, now I got, I'm a loser. Uh, I'm why, why bother? Why bother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, and you can always build from a small base much, much easier. I totally agree. Exactly. And you don't, you don't think about those things. And the thing is, so much of it is managing your emotion, which is the other thing that that book is about. Um, managing your emotion is all about, and, and that's why like it, the book is so short because it makes you feel you, you, you're going to read it and you read it in like 20 minutes. It's so short. It's like an essay, not even. And then you've done, you're done reading it and then you feel good. And so much of, uh, of, of you going, I don't know, going, doing whatever that thing is that you want to do comes from, uh, the sense of, oh, I feel good. So I'm going to go do it now. And if you never, so it's almost like a deliberate, here's, here's this thing you can hold onto it. It's not a candy bar, you know, it's some other thing. And, uh, that thing makes you feel good. And then you can, you feel like, you know, a lot of the, there's like almost 400 uh, reviews on Amazon by this point. And they're all like, I feel like I can smash through a wall when I, when I read this thing, which is why the same, you know, like you're saying, you read it quite a, a few times. Even I read it sometimes because I'm like, wow, I am amazing. Like I can do anything after you read the book. It's, it's powerful. It's also a very, um, it's a challenging book to read though. It's not a feel good I mean, I think, yeah, you do, you do get a, a feeling of strength from it, but there are some lines, and I'll, I'll read one now, that when I, when I read it, I go, oh, shit, yep, that sounds like me. And it's, most people don't actually want to face the flinch. They just want to be in a movie about it. They want the glory, not the suffering. They don't want scars because they like being soft. They don't want to be humiliated. They want respect. They just don't want to earn it, which I think is a is a very good um, summation, certainly, of what my approach has been to things in the past and, and a lot of people's, which ties a lot to this, I expect everything to be easy, fast, and now. Mm. You know, and that, that's, not, that's simply not the way life is and that's not the way change happens. And uh, I, I really like that. And when I read it, though, it's, it's, a, it's a sobering reminder that, that if we want to be people that are worthy of being admired or we want to be great people. There's a sacrifice mm-hmm. and there's, and there's effort that goes into that. Yeah. There's a, there's a quote in there. that's like, it's interesting because I've never, I've never gotten a comment about it. I don't think I've ever actually talked about it, but it's a quote that comes from the Quran and uh, I'm not a religious person, but I, those kinds of old texts are really interesting to me, both religious and non-religious ones. And it says something like, uh, do you think that you will enter into the garden of the light before the suffering that you, that of those who have come before you, you know, like, it's like, well, look at all, you know, cause you just, you just look at these people, I don't know, they're on stage or they have this great relationship or, you know, their dog is like just the best behaved dog or whatever, whatever thing it is that you're like looking and, and you're interested in. And, uh, and, and you're like, but why can't I, <laughs> why can't I have that? Well, it's because you didn't do anything, you know, uh, it, it doesn't come by itself, but people, the, the movie version of it is much easier. It's much easier to watch than it is to do. And that's why, 
you know, that's, that's, that's why there's so few people like that. So again, it's not about like you being this perfect, you know, Uber mensch or whatever the hell it's really just like, like be the person that you actually want to be, not the person that is easy to, to be. You talk about, there's a line you use and we talk about, again, I, what I like about the book is so many of the themes that I think come up over and over for us in the show. And, and that's part of what I was, I'm interested in with this show is what are the things that keep coming up over and over again, because they really point to some fundamental, fundamental truths and, and lessons. And one of them is if you aren't willing, you say, if you aren't willing to sacrifice your comfort, you don't have what it takes. And I think this gets back to that, that, that point of being willing to make that, that extra effort and, and being aware of needing to make that extra effort. It's, it's the same thing we start a company. You know, they're always like, well, you're going to have to be, make sacrifices. They just don't tell you what those sacrifices are ahead of time, and they don't tell you that they're going to be hard, for example, right? And, and when, you have a, when you're getting married and, and you're like hearing, oh, marriage is hard, but you don't actually feel those things. And then when it comes to, it's interesting, I was a conversation about loyalty a few weeks ago with a, a friend of mine, and, and I think he pointed out and he said something like loyalty is not being loyal when it's convenient to you. Loyalty, the true quality comes from being loyal when it is not an easy decision. That's what loyalty is. It's not just like I'm loyalty loyal when I feel like it. It's I'm loyal when it's difficult. I'm loyal at war, not at peace. And, and, and so it's really easy to have this rose colored glasses about yourself. And again, like talking about it right now, I can only probably talk about it in relation to myself. Cause if I talk about it in relation to you or to, you know, you, the listener or whatever, then I'm like, I'm a dick, but it's like, let's, let's not, let's not have rose colored glasses about ourselves because it does nobody a disservice. Somebody, you know, a friend of mine, has two kids and he said, Oh God, now I have to be that person that, that my kids would admire. <laughs> you know, right. I don't have a choice. <laughs> now, now my kids have to admire somebody, you know, they're going to be judging me. <laughs> I better, I better be, uh, the person that they want as a dad. I think that that whole thing points to this idea that there's no like, you know, courage, there's no courage unless there's fear. There's nothing to be <laughs> courageous about unless there's fear. And, in an attempt a lot of times to eliminate all negativity from our lives or all, all difficult events, we end up in a position where we eliminate all our ability to build those muscles because we're never confronted with anything because we just simply say, I don't, I, that doesn't feel good. I don't want that thing or I don't want a life that has this or that in it. But almost all great lives have a, a pretty healthy degree of struggle, challenge, suffering. Right, and and you can see this in the um, uh, in the what do they call it? The hero's journey, like that Joseph Campbell model, twelve steps to get from a to, to, from going from regular person to hero with the sword that kills the dragon, and the returns from a great quest, and all these other things, right? And uh, and you're just looking at the quest, and you're like, you always be like, okay, so where am I in this quest right now? There's a set step in the in the quest. It's called the the, the refusal to the call. So first there's a call, which is, here's this great thing. You were called to do it. You know, you know, the lady comes out of the lake and she hands you like a flower or some other, you know, mythical story. And then part of that 12 step journey 
which is not like AA, it's a different 12-step journey, is, uh, is the refusal to call, which is the hero says no. I don't, want, I don't want to accept what this means. So he goes back to his regular life, but then he's given a second reminder. And that second reminder says to him, no, 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 you remember that thing you forgot about? That thing is really important and only you can do it. And then you go out and then the hero goes back and the lady on the lake miraculously or whatever is still there and she has the flower and she gives you the flower and then you go, oh, I have to go out and bring this on top of the mountain or whatever. So I'm going to read one last quote from the book. We can maybe just talk about it for a second and then uh, we're near the end of our time so we can wrap up. But I, I particularly love this one because I think it, it ties a lot of different things together, a lot of what we've just talked about. And it says, flinch breaking is all about eliminating the pointless, cowardly, and habitual and choosing the useful instead. Useful cannot be discovered in the abstract. It has to actually happen. What do you think that's about? Well, I think it covers a little of everything we just talked about. You can't, you, you can't discover these things via somebody else. Um, you, you, have to, you have to go on the difficult journey. The, you have to eliminate the pointless and the cowardly and the habitual and do all those things in order and search for what, what is useful to you and only you are going to know what that thing is. Yeah, 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 exactly. And just be like, here's a series of things that I do. Uh, should I really be this person? You know, and it's weird because there's some versions of it that are like, that are, that are just about habits and behavior. Like I, I can do it by, by uh, putting the hand on the knife so that I can start cooking or something. But other of them are actually mental habits. Like I want to remember to be grateful every day or something, you know, they, so they, there's all these ways that you can just, you just think like I'm really a robot or I'm an animal and I can just be trained. And the one layer, the one edge that we have on ourselves that maybe others don't have is that you can actually train yourself. Right. But, but whether to do so is a choice, you know? And, uh, and, and in order to do that, you have this layer of thinking that you can hopefully have above yourself to, to can convince yourself that it's worthwhile. And you, you get an opportunity to do that every day. And you can sort of start over every day, which is always a nice thing. Yep. Yep, and I love that idea of eliminating. I love the categories, the pointless, the cowardly, and the habitual, which tends to cover uh, a lot of ground of where we spend, at least I spend time, that doesn't, doesn't mean anything to me. And, and I agree with the habitual part, and I say this all the time on the show, so much of the reason that, I, that we do this show is because it, we have to be reminded, I have to be reminded all the time that I'm making these choices all the time. You know, I'm making the habitual choice or the, the pointless choice, and I'm not even aware of it very often. And so that's what I, part of why I do this is to keep reminding myself like, yes, these choices moment by moment, day by day, add up and they matter. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, yeah, and it's, and it's not a thing that you would just figure out one day and then just live the rest of your life by, by yourself that way. It needs to be done constantly. Exactly. Well, Julian, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you are really busy with the, the new company. Um, good luck on expanding the breathers. I hope someday there will be one in Columbus, Ohio. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, we will uh, talk again soon. So thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.
You can learn more about Julian Smith and this podcast at oneufeed.net slash smith.